the Finance Trends and Disruptions podcast, powered by Stampley. Disruption, innovation, myth versus reality. The truth, featuring the voice of the office of the CFO, Ernie Humphrey. Hello, everyone. I'm Ernie Humphrey, the Vice President of Thought Leadership at Stampley. I'm thrilled to welcome everyone to the Finance Trends and Disruption podcast. I'm honored and humbled to have Anthony Venus, the CEO of Yaypay, an AR solution that frees finance teams to focus on lower DSOs and build deeper relate customer relationships as my guest on our episode today, getting paid in the new normal, communication is king. Anthony is a fintech entrepreneur who thrives on solving difficult problems with creative ideas. As Yaypay's CEO, he's typically found listening to customers, strategizing where to take Yaypay next, Anthony has visited 75 countries and counting and lived and worked on five continents. Anthony, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you, Ernie. Good to be here. Let's get started here. Let's do a little rewind here. I know you have a fascinating journey, which I could only dream about having been been such a world traveler and then ended up uh, in the U.S. I'm sure you'll share that with us a little bit later. Can you share with us a little bit about your professional journey to becoming the CEO of Yepe? Absolutely. So um, I started Yepe in 2015, um, actually originally in London, then I moved over to the States. started looking at it with another co-founder, looking at the problem of cash flow from a few different angles. And I guess it was a problem I found really interesting because I was frustrated with it over a number of different companies that I'd owned. I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I built some companies before in publishing and market research, online research, also financial services. And I was always amazed that in the back office, we had this ERP system that was really a record keeping system and created a lot of work. But we had all this great sales and marketing software that automated everything in the sales and marketing department. When it came to finance, we just had very little uh, that actually made life easier. So, um, you know, fast forward, basically ended up taking a year off uh, after selling the last company in 2014. Went, to, went back and did some courses, apart, apart from all the things you do in a year off at the safari and the scuba diving and all the rest, but did some courses. And actually, one that really stuck out, um, I spent a couple of weeks at a place called Singularity University on the West Coast, run by a guy called Ray Kurzweil, who's quite famous for the concept of singularity, which really means the time uh, in the future when machines learn how to program machines. And I sat there in, in a couple of weeks of lectures on AI machine learning, and I started sketching out concepts. And one of the concepts that really resonated with me was I wondered what we could do um, with a large set of data. I wondered if we could teach a, teach a machine or teach software, if you like, to learn how to best collect from different types of customers over time. So hence the genesis of Yepay. Started out 2015, moved to the US in 2016, ripped up the first minimum viable product, which turned out to be <laughs> fairly minimal and hardly viable, um, but kept on doing custom development after custom development with mid-market finance teams, really learned what they wanted. Uh, got myself another uh, very technically strong co-founder and a guy called Eugene Biberoff, and we kept on going. And, and um, you know, uh, looking back now, 150 customers, over 3,000 users, billions of dollars running through the system. You know, so that's uh, that's where it came from. But um, it's been a journey, and uh, I think we're, we're still into this journey. It's a long way to go. Yeah, that's great. And, and, and what I've found as a finance practitioner is I can almost tell if someone is coming from the development side because of an issue that they've had. And those I find are really the best companies because your issue is motivated by, you know, what the pain is and you want to address it. And it's almost like 
the the weakest link in your technology stack drags down your whole business, right? Your weakest team player. And then you saw in the AR stack, there was something yeah. missing. Let's go a little bit deeper. Um, what did you see in this? It, it, obviously, it's evolving in the AR solution market that was missing where you thought you were really filling a void that was needed in the market. There were some old legacy systems out there uh, that were, were built literally 20 years ago. And if you look at the software, it's very much like green screens with banks, um, quite <laughs> yeah. functional, uh, but that was built for the very large enterprise level customer. And there wasn't much that was built for mid-market companies really in the range of say $50 million up to a billion dollars in size for the cloud that had great user experience. So look, most of our customers, um, most of our users are millennials. I'm not, I'm 47, but uh, 80%, look, finance teams are now controlled by millennials and they want to have the same experience on the desktop as they have on this iPhone or this smartphone. So we had to build this really user-friendly um, software that would really, really take off. And the next thing as well was just being predictive, you know, because there's a lot of data on an invoice that you can scrape. You can learn a lot. You can you can actually see the behavior of different types of customers and group them together on the back. And you can learn um, how to best message those customers for the best reaction. You can learn how to best predict bad debt. You can learn um, who will pay you faster and so forth and what, mean, what, what that actually means. So being predictive, having a great user experience, um, building something for the modern finance team, you know, th these are all things that were missing in the market. And fact, actually, you know, today, 95% of companies actually have nothing. They use spreadsheets and people. And when you use spreadsheets and people, now you can do that with 100 invoices a month. Right. Book yourself yeah, yeah. Use Excel. <laughs> but now think about what about you've got 500 invoices a month? How about 1,000, 10,000? How about 100,000 or a million? When you get to a volume like that, either you hire a small army in accounts receivables or you automate that process. And then when you've got that level of volume, if you're going to use a spreadsheet, you're going to make mistakes. And you don't want to make mistakes when it comes to this whole issue of collecting money. Yeah. So hence, there's just a big opportunity that we're going for. Right. A couple things that I saw, and I'm no spring chicken myself. When I was back in Treasury and I worked with accounts receivable, I thought people were just wasting time, right? on the phone, banging out all these emails and things like that. So that so that time mitigation, uh, wasting time was one thing. And then I just saw that there were communication barriers. Can you speak to you know, what technology is doing to let us kind of overcome those things in the market now? Sure. Um, maybe I'll start by just describing, you know, the traditional process for yeah. how we're how we're disrupting that. So traditionally, your AR specialist comes in in the morning, they sit down at their, their computer, they've got open, sometimes they've got open a CRM like Salesforce, the ERP, the aging report, they've definitely got their email system open and they, they'll, they'll mail merge, you know, usually mail merge a thousand <laughs> of communication, send out a thousand messages about payment and what happens the next day? Well, they get 500 responses and it's not always about you know, checks in the mail or yeah. sending the payment link. It's often about raising a dispute and so forth. Now, what happens is they get sucked in to ha at least half a day, if not more, of just communications, emailing, answering those communications and so forth because it's not just about the important job of collecting money. It's about also managing the customer relationship. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is we've labeled hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of pieces of communications now and we've labeled uh, we've labeled that in the sense that the in sense that the software Yay Pay will tell you what to say. You can hit a button and accept 
uh, how we would suggest to reply, or you can modify that and so forth. And that saves you half your day uh, in time. So it's really all about making up for that lost time and inefficiency, automating the routine tasks where we can. It's about allowing those data sources that I mentioned earlier to be all put under one roof. So your credit information, your your ERP information, we sync back to the ERP real time, um, your email, everything, your credit data, everything under one roof to really uh, empower people and they get a 3x efficiency. So you can have one person do three times the amount of work or it just means that they can do the more strategic work, the higher value added work and just all the routine stuff, you automate that through us. Right. I think um, dovetail on that just a little bit. Um, what I get on my soapbox about is that you, you always say you hear uh, AR impacts the customer experience and people are like, what? That's not even possible. And so people don't really realize how much of a negative impact that they can have on that customer relationships inadvertently with the inefficient communications, dispute issues and things of that nature. So I, I, I get on my soapbox about that. And so that's going to lead me into my next point here. So it, let, let's shift gears a little bit. I'll get back to that point in, in just a moment. We got to talk coronavirus, right? I made it like 10 minutes without mentioning the word. <laughs> so, so, so let's do a little pre and post coronavirus. So let's say pre coronavirus here. And if I would have asked you back in December, what do you, what do you think the biggest challenges AR teams are going to face to do, to overcome and deliver strategic value in 2020? What would that be if I asked you back in December? What's the one or two things that you think were the biggest challenges most teams faced? You know, I, I think it's still always, it's still always been about working capital efficiency, um, always about late payments, reducing bad debt. But of course, that's just become, you know, it's on steroids now. It's just another right. whole another whole level. So it's always been that. And I think the role of AR in an upswing economy, you know, accounts receivables wasn't really on the desk of the CFO. Now it is. Now it's on the desk of the CEO. Right. Uh, cash is king. It's, it's an old story. But you know what? It truly is right now. But not just that. You know, pri- prior to this, we used to talk about uh, the mantra of customer satisfaction. We've always talked about that, but I think it's even more important now in ma- helping your buyers manage through this process. And your buyers are going to remember you as well and how you deal with them through this process. So I think right. uh, your point earlier on CSAT is, is a great one. For 10 years of my life, I ran a market research company. Uh, we did a lot of work, uh, CSAT surveys, uh, customer loyalty surveys, mm-hmm. so forth. And we used to measure we used to measure collections and it has a material impact on customer satisfaction. So, you know, that, that's, that's certainly a big one. It's always been a big one, but it's, it's amplified even more. Mm-hmm. I think the issues were more or less the same, but now we're just okay. seeing an amplification right. of these issues in a big way. Right. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, what I was, what I was thinking through as well as if you have weaknesses or you have inefficiencies, or you had issues. Now the 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 mag the uh, spotlight just came on and went wow. So dovetailing on that a little bit, yeah. have you had um, some new business development come in where people are just like, oh my lord, what's going on? I can't function now. So most people think now's not the time to invest in technology. But have you seen people that they've really almost in a panic, like we need to fix this and in some of those conversations? We have. Let's think about shared services centers for a bit. Yeah. Imagine shared services centers. You've got you know hundreds of people in in a call center location. Yeah. Uh, the previous job was you know 
picking up the phone <laughs> or whatever, working on old systems, they're all now suddenly working from home on virtual private networks or whatnot. And so the need to have software where you can work remotely from your desktop on the cloud is just even more acute. We've just brought on a, a really big customer uh, for that use case that was, uh, that was sped up by coronavirus, no question. We've also seen some industries, of course, are doing very, very well, and that's also accelerating the issues that they have. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely had uh, some positives. But, of course, also you've also got sometimes at the moment, there's another aspect to this too. Some industries aren't doing as well, and because they don't have as much sales, well, their accounts receivable balance is actually right. actually declining. But even in that, you've actually, you end up having some teams that have been furloughed and you have the, you, you definitely still have people on those teams. And now the, the person minding that team's work suddenly has got 3x the amount of work they used to have. So they need tools to help them right. as well. So, um, you know, it's certainly, um, you know, it's, it's certainly a, a different environment, but it's one that we're still doing well in. Yeah, let me uh, let me get into the technical weeds a little bit with you because I actually used to do a lot of quantitative analysis things, and I'm fascinated with AI. So, in my mind, as as you're probably starting to see, obviously AI uses it learns right. It's based on behavior. So, is there like a complete shock to the industry? What does that mean for AI? Are we going to let it learn? Is it going to be a shock and go back, or how long does it really take to kind of? get through this system and is there is how does it like re, you know get, get back to normal it's is it a v is it a swoosh is it a you know or too early to tell i'm just fascinated on what this will mean on those on those things that are looking at patterns then you all of a sudden see shit yeah. we 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 definitely saw um on the system a slowdown in payments no question there was there was in March, there was like a freeze. And I think this was the reaction when everyone, oh my goodness, coronavirus, what does this mean? Freeze. So everyone stopped paying everyone across the economy. That happened. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've started to see things change and roll and okay. roll and get released and so forth. So, yeah, um, I, I think that um, a good bellwether to the economy is always credit. It's always the speed at which people right. are paying. Yeah. Uh, it was a complete shock. People froze, uh, but it's beginning to free up again. I think, though, that DSO, even though we banged down DSO by 34%, that's that's proven across the product, um, I think the new norm for DSO is obviously going to be larger than before, um, right, right across the economy, because also the new norm for for uh, payments is also uh, yeah. it's gone, gone sure. uh, long as well. So, yeah. Sure. Uh, let me dive in there one, one more, in one more area. So as far as um, the learning goes, yeah. is, that, is that done both on a customer level and then an aggregate over all of the information that you get to inform yeah. different algorithms? How does that work a little bit? So it's on the aggregate level. So okay. we have, it's, it's anonymized data. So I guess a simple way of thinking about it is one customer called Jenny, let's just call it Jenny, and one customer called Bill or, or whatever company name you want to use, Actually, when you have enough data, you can see that this customer is a lot like that one over mm-hmm. there. And so you can start to mirror that data across and say, oh, okay, here's a new customer. There are certain characteristics about this customer. There are certain characteristics on the invoice, by the way, as well, because there are certain goods and services that are paid faster than others. There are certain types of customers that tend to be a higher risk than others. So we're basically just using you know, large amounts of data to inform uh, what happens across new sets of data when it comes in. And it's become now, I think, 96% accurate. So it's, uh, 
you know, it's, it's getting there. Uh, and that's just the machine learning over time, over years. It's take, we've been doing this for, for a few years now, so it's getting smarter and smarter and smarter. Let's talk a little bit about um, what you've had to do, right, as the CEO of your company. Can you tell me what the biggest change yeah. has been for you? And then what's the biggest challenge you've had in supporting your employees? Sure. So we went uh, 100% remote. Um, so we, we now have, you know, 55 locations, literally. We used yeah. to have uh, the office in New York City, London, and okay. Kiev in Ukraine. Right. Um, so we're, we're fully remote. Some people were always remote. We had about 20% of the workforce always remote. And it's taken away any of that reluctance we had before mm. uh, about having folks remote. It's working well. However, what's changed is the cadence of communication. We used to have monthly all-hands meetings. Now it's weekly. Uh, we're, we're on there all the time. We now do a lot of uh, newsletters and buddy systems and so forth. So it's all about the workforce communicating and feeling that they're a part of a team, even though they're remote. Mm. Um, I also think that, you know, different people are handling it, handling it really well, depending upon their personal circumstance. So for me, sitting here, I've got a, a garden in the background. You know, it's, it's, not, too, it's not too bad here riding out, the, riding out the pandemic, right? Not everyone's in that environment. We have some younger employees who are in, you know, very small apartments and they're alone and so forth. And we need to make sure that we reach out to them and make sure that they're, they're included. So there's, I think the challenge is certainly there. Also, the way in which we reach out to customers is a bit, and prospects is a bit different too. We used to do a lot of calling. We had this auto dialer technology where we had people calling all day long, like all over the country to finance teams. Not everybody's at their desk now, of course, right? So we've had to become um, a lot more focused on digital marketing, a lot more, getting a lot more inbound leads, we're doing a lot more content and so forth. So in some ways, it sped up our go-to-market to become a little bit more modern as well. And also think as well, um, probably the last point about it too, is just you know making sure that we're in the same shoes as our customers, understanding what they need, adding value. And we're doing that with also some consulting services on top now. We're having order-to-cash specialists help our customers understand how to work their way through crises and so forth and add that extra value. And we've had a couple of customers, by the way, who have been in industries that have been really, really hard, really hard, uh, really badly affected. And we've worked things out for them and, and, you know, looked at their the travel industry and said, okay, guys, we're going to work with you. We don't want to lose you as a customer. We know you're hurting and we're going to do something for you. So, um, you know, you have to be flexible in times like this and, um, you know, we're going to get through this like everyone. Okay, I'm going to, I have to ask a personal question and then I'll bring it back yeah. to professional because I'm fascinated. So you've been to 75 countries and and then five continents. So let, let's do continents because that's only five. I don't know if I, I didn't even know there was five. So, uh, so you know, I, I know it probably changes with your life, but what do you think is, is to you has been the most inspiring place for you to live in the, just on wow. the continent side? Wow, that's such a tough question. It's so tough. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm probably just gonna go around and give give a little bit of color to each. Oh, that's fine. That's great. I, I was born in Australia. It's a beautiful country. You know, I was lucky to grow up there. And then I had this sort of, I don't know, there was this itch to go out and see the world because Australia, in many ways, like the US, it's quite a domestic country. It's a big country. Anyway, went out. I uh, lived in Asia. And I think in Asia, I, you know, it's my first sort of um, first time I started a company, uh, first time I, I built a career. Asia, very different cultures. Mm-hmm. That was that was really interesting. I guess. 
the inspiring thing about that, I ended up working for actually an ex, before I started my first company, I worked for an ex uh, British red, uh, the Green Beret, which is a paratroop commando. And, you know, he taught me the, the whole concept of taking the hill. So in some ways, I think um, I was a bit inspired by this guy to start my own company. He had started a company that was bought out by, by uh, the company I was working for called The Economist. I joined uh, oh. the subsidiary, if you like. And then um, there was sort of that, that uh, rubbed off on me quite well. Living over after that, I, I lived uh, in Europe. I lived in the UK. You know, that was inspiring in many ways. It's probably the easiest place uh, to live has been the UK and in Europe. Um, it's true they say that Europe was built for holidays. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when I, when I lived in the US, uh, I was in the US for you know over four years, nearly five years. Look, the US for me, it's always been a fascination because my first company was funded in the US. Every company I ever built actually was funded, funded uh, from the US. And I ended up selling companies uh, in the US as well. So I've always had... I must have been to New York City 50 times before I ended up living there, literally, not kidding. So the U.S. Was, is a fascinating place for me because what I didn't know until I moved there is just how diverse it is. You know, um, anything from, you know, uh, Indiana is so different to New York City. Oh, yeah. So different to California. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, wow, this is just such an incredible diverse country. I, I couldn't figure out how it's actually a country almost. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> what inspires me about America is just anything is possible. You know, it's that good old American dream. It's that vision for making things happen. And that's certainly something that, that Europe doesn't have as much of. Um, it's definitely that that uh, that characteristic. So every place I've lived, I, I've had a, a positive experience, um, and the world's a big place. You know, I got to seventy five countries. Uh, that was before the coronavirus hit, so it's going to be yeah. a bit hard yeah. to climb. I, I can't up. imagine how that. Yeah, how that. How that. I mean, the new normal is going to be uh, for travel. It's going to be hard. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah, you feel like you can live the dream. Me, I'm a I'm a kid who couldn't speak without stuttering for five minutes, and now I get paid to speak all the time. So it's pretty pretty cool how things can come around. So so let's get back yeah. to get back back to focus here. So uh, let me. This is another hard question, but but that's what I do, right? So what is the the one thing that you if you could talk to like CFOs across the world and AR leaders, what's the one thing you want them to keep in mind as they navigate the new waters with their customers? What's the one thing that they should always have on the top of their mind? Yeah. It, look, it's a customer relationship right now. Um, it's got to be that. On the one hand, it's all about the money and finance. You've got to get paid. But on the other hand, right now, um, you're going to be remembered uh, in how you deal with these customers through this crisis. There are ways to work it out, put them on a payment plan. Once you start, you know, you want to get paid something uh, and you want that business to be around and be your customer going forward. So I'd say it's it's all about a little bit of empathy right now. Uh, doesn't mean right. that you don't want to get paid. You're going to get paid, but you've got to work it out. That's the one thing right now I'd say uh, keep in mind. It's you're at the front line of customer service. You're not just at the back line of finance. It's both. Yeah. Right. I, I dovetail that. So just to put a fine point on a few things, which are near and dear to my heart uh, in the in the midst of this new 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 normal that we're all living in. I, I see I'd like next normal. We have to be cognizant of the relationships. Right. The shoe goes on the other foot. Right. Sometimes you're ahead. Sometimes you're behind. So this is when you forge those relationships. And so we need to be reaching out 
being proactive, taking our medicine, listening, understanding our metrics might go down. But the cash is king, but customer relationship is maybe queen or pretty, uh, pretty close to king. So in closing, I just want to thank you so much, Anthony, for your valuable time in spending your time with us um, on our podcast today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Anthony. A pleasure. Thank you for attending this episode of the Finance Trends and Disruptions podcast. I encourage you to visit www.stampley.com to consume more thought leadership resources to help fuel your career success. Make the rest of your day great, everyone. The truth matters.